Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Lights, camera, action. Yes, indeed. I love to talk about the movies. And last week I had the opportunity to meet John Hershker in person in Wilkes-Barre. Hersker. Now, say I screwed it up already because I was thinking it too much. Hersker, like it's spelled, right, John? That's correct. Why am I like this? Do you know? It's 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 probably too early. It's too early. I told John that sometimes people say my name is Henry, and it's not that way. But I blame Peter Noon, as well. We should, right? That's right. John, it's great to see you. It was great to see you last week. I'm so glad you're in town. And I'm glad that we could talk about something that we all love, which is movies. And to me, that's so important. Through your whole life, since you were a child, you must have loved movies because of the the industry that your family was in, right? I have always loved movies, and I still love movies. They're a huge part of my life. I grew up working in a movie theater. My parents uh, owned a theater in West Hazleton, Pennsylvania, the Hersker Theater. It's still there, although my family doesn't own it. Uh, but it's still operating as the Cinema Draft House. But uh, that theater was my home growing up. I worked in it. I watched movies every chance I, I got and uh, grew up loving movies and loving movies in theaters. What is your earliest recollection of being in that theater? Well, uh, because uh, th- th- we lived literally next door to the theater, our house was right next door, um, I would see sections of movies. So I don't have one movie that I remember as my first movie, but I have vivid memories of Goldfinger with James Bond, and it made me want to be a secret agent. I loved the little secret compartments in his shoe for, you know, uh, tracking devices and so on. I remember The Music Man, uh, you know, a lot of movies from the 60s. Um, and of course, in those days, movies would be re-released because they weren't yet shown on television. So I got to enjoy some of the movies that had actually uh, played before I was born. Uh, but I loved watching all kinds of movies. And as I got older and became a teenager, movies like The Godfather and so forth uh, were a big part of my upbringing. And uh, the, the Godfather, if I remember correctly, does come back to figure into your transition into your professional life where you did pursue a career in the film industry very successfully, may I add. Well, uh, yes, I've been very fortunate uh, to uh, to be able to make a living uh, in the movie industry since I love movies so much. Uh, when I graduated high school from MMI Preparatory School and uh, moved away from the area to go to college, um, and my, my mom sold the business at that point, I still wanted to be in the movie business, and I ended up going back working uh, as a theater manager and then uh, got a job uh, in the sales department of Paramount Pictures which at that time had branch offices all over the country, and I started out in their Philadelphia branch office, worked my way up the corporate ladder, and then got to uh, eventually work at the Paramount Studios in Hollywood, which for a little kid from West Hazleton who remembered taking tickets and and selling candy at his his, uh, parents' movie theater was just an incredible experience. I can only imagine what it was like when you went there and how excited you were. What was it like when they said, John, we'd like you to come out and work 
at our facility in California. What did you pinch yourself? What was it like? Oh, who, who did you tell first? Absolutely, I pinched myself, but it was something I'd been hoping for for a long time because all of us in the company who were out in the field, as we called ourselves, and at that time I was working in the Dallas, Texas branch office, uh, we all knew that the heart of the company and the industry really was in Hollywood. And I had visited the studio in Hollywood many times and, and uh, uh, just loved walking around it, and the thought of being there was incredible. And ironically, uh, the head of distribution at Paramount, uh, who really became a kind of mentor to me once I got to L.A., but didn't know me real well, at the time asked somebody, I found out later, do you think John would be willing to move to L.A.? Which now strikes me as, it's even then struck me as being very funny because I couldn't wait to move to L.A. and I couldn't wait to work on that lot. Now, in the lot, you want to talk about where your offices were located and some of the storied history of Paramount in terms of where you were every day at your desk. Well, I every day at my desk, um, uh, well, I, I had several offices in the in the distribution building. The, the theatrical distribution division is what I was part of. We licensed movies to theaters. I was not in the creative side. We were more on the business side. And the distribution building, which was the newest building on the lot, was a four-story building. And the office that I eventually got uh, overlooked the Hollywood sign. And so every day I come in and sit at my desk and look out at the Hollywood sign. First, having driven through the gates, those same gates that Norma Desmond, uh, Gloria Swanson drives through in Sunset Boulevard, I would drive through every day and then go upstairs and, and look out at the Hollywood sign. But actually, uh, for a brief period, I had a temporary office in a building, one of the older buildings called the Dryer Building, which was actually the building that in Sunset Boulevard, um, the movie Sunset Boulevard, William Holden and Nancy Olson are working on a script and they walk around the studio a lot at night and the building that they work on the script in is the dryer building. So I actually got to work for a period of time in that building and that was that was great fun for me. I can only imagine. And you, you really do have such an affinity and a passion for the movies. So it's great to see somebody who got to literally live their dream and, and work in that capacity, but your work is not with Paramount anymore, but you still have a great connection to that uh, golden age of movie making through the company that you founded, which I think is also awesome as well. Well, yes. I actually, uh, I left Paramount Pictures to go back on the theater side because, believe it or not, my dream as a, as a kid was not to work for a movie studio. My dream was to operate movie theaters, uh, as my dad had done and my grandfather and my great-grandfather before them. So that was always my dream and my goal. And as I said, my mother had sold the business, and I wanted to get back into the theater side. So when I left Paramount Pictures after 26 years, I ran a chain of movie theaters for a while called Movie Tavern. There was headquartered in Dallas, Texas. But then we grew the company, we sold it, and that's when I decided to move back to Pennsylvania. And the company that you're talking about now that I run is called Flashback Cinema. And uh, it's a company that markets and programs classic movies for first-run movie theaters to show in their theaters, along with all the new first-run movies they show twice a week on Sundays and Wednesdays. They show a classic film that I've selected and I promote and I market and I do an on-screen introduction for. So uh, I'm still still doing my best to get people to go to movies to see theaters, but now the movies I'm focused on are those great classic movies that that everybody remembers uh, from their childhood, which they may not have seen in a theater because they may have experienced these movies on television and so forth, but uh, I am a firm believer that the best place to see a movie is in a theater, and that's what Flashback Cinema does. It brings classic movies to theaters so that people can have that experience. Because there's nothing like that, to see something on a screen that big, and, and when we were 
were talking, you mentioned like the sound of music. You see it on your television, and maybe that's the only way you've ever seen it. But when you see it on that screen, it's just jaw-dropping. Well, I, I think ironically, uh, because of all the ways that we have to see movies now, whether on our TV screens or on our t- our phones or on our laptops, we need the theatrical experience more than ever because we're so distracted. You know, you watch a movie at home on television and uh, the phone rings or you're checking your emails on your smartphone or something else is going on, but there's something about that theatrical experience. It's not only the size of the screen, but the fact that you're in darkness, uh, you're not looking at your phone, you're not checking your emails, and you're sitting with other people who appreciate that experience. So so, uh, yes, and Sound of Music's a great example. When Julie Andrews comes out uh, singing in the, those majestic Austrian Alps, there's nothing like it. And there's also the factor with a comedy. People are laughing when you're laughing. If you're watching Psycho, people jump when you jump. And movies were always intended and really still are intended by the people who make them to be a communal experience, a shared experience. And uh, even though filmmakers have embraced new technology, uh, most of them will tell you they would prefer people see their movies in a theater in the dark without distractions and with other people nearby to share that experience which brings us to a great series that will be at the fm kirby center in wilkesbury before the kirby was the kirby the building opened in 1938 and i know you know a little bit of the history of what it was then the comerford theater and you know a little bit about uh, stylistically how that was devised and Um, What a beautiful venue it was then and still is today. Well, 1938, uh, the late 1930s, saw a uh, kind of resurgence in movie theater construction. There had been a boom of movie theater building in the 1920s, which is when most of the great movie palaces uh, were built. But, of course, the Depression uh, hurt the whole economy and hurt movie going, actually. But by the late 30s, the economy was coming back, the movie business was coming back, and new theaters were being built. But by the late 1930s, they were tended to be built more in the Art Deco style. It's streamlined, very uh, modern-looking style. And the uh, Comerford Theater which opened in 1938, as you said, on Public Square, is a great example of that. It architecturally is an Art Deco gem. When you got to see it, when you, when you came home, what did you think about the Kirby Center at, at first glance? This must have been thrilling for somebody like you who loves movie theaters. Well, it is very thrilling because I know how most of the great movie theaters, those single screen palaces uh, that those of us who are old enough remember from our youth, how most of those theaters are gone now. They've been replaced by the modern multiplex theaters, which are fine and great. And I built a number of them when I was at Movie Tavern. But most of those great old theaters have been lost. And to have one preserved the way the Kirby has been preserved, and not just uh, for its architectural or historical value, which is great, but to actually be a thriving performing arts center. I mean, the Kirby is a tremendous uh, um, uh, asset to the whole hall of northeastern Pennsylvania. And to have the wonderful acts that are presented there, the concerts, the the stage shows, uh, is really uh, a wonderful thing. Uh, But... Um, it's uh, not, of course, what the theater was designed for. The theater was designed for movies. And our whole idea with this series of Before the Kirby Was the Kirby was to get back a little bit to the theater's roots and uh, show movies once again uh, in, the, in the setting in which they had originally in- uh, been intended to be seen. You're starting out with one that has a, a close 
personal connection to many individuals who live here, that would be the Molly Maguires, which was a Paramount movie that has a connection to a guy that was a very generous benefactor and a graduate of King's College, Mr. Burke. And um, there are people already who sent messages to me today that their grandparents uh, acted as uh, – someone wrote their grandfather was a chauffeur for some of the individuals who were in the Molly McGuire's because parts of it were filmed here. So how did that come to be, that uh, that Paramount movie – you being uh, an alum of, of Paramount, how did that come about? Well, when um, when Will Beekman, the executive director at Kirby, and Ann Rodella and Lauren Mann, who do a great job marketing the Kirby Center's events, when we all talked about doing this series as a way to commemorate the 80th anniversary of the opening of the theater, we talked about uh, wouldn't it be great to show movies, not just great classic movies, but movies that had actually played at the theater uh, at some point in their history, and especially those movies that have an especially strong connection to the theater. And and when we started talking about that, it was obvious that the, the number one movie we had to show was The Molly Maguires, because The Molly Maguires was not only filmed in northeastern Pennsylvania, but it had its world premiere at the then Paramount Theater, the Comerford Theater, which opened in 1938, was renamed the Paramount in 1949. So in 1970, when Paramount Pictures was going to release this film that had been shot in northeastern Pennsylvania, they elected to have three simultaneous world premieres, one in Scranton, one in Hazleton, uh, which is uh, uh, the the closest you know city uh, to where the movie was actually shot in Eckley's Minor, Eckley Miners Village, uh, and then of course in Wilkesbury, and the Paramount Theater was selected, and so that world premiere took place uh, on January twenty seventh, uh, nineteen seventy, and it was a gala event, and of course the theater was packed. It was a, it was of tremendous interest to the community, and so we thought uh, since we're starting our series in January, particularly, we would want to kick off with the movie that had its world premiere at the uh, Paramount Theater in 1970, and that's The Molly Maguires. Talk about the significance of The Godfather in 1972 to this theater and to you. Well, The Godfather, which uh, we're going to be showing on Friday, April 20th, we should say that the way the series is designed is we show a different classic movie every month on a Friday at 1 o'clock and 7.30. So The Molly Maguires is showing first on Friday, January 26th. Now, you mentioned The Godfather, which is going to show on Friday, April 20th. Uh, the Godfather's significance for the Paramount Theater in Wilkes-Barre is that it showed longer, it played at the theater longer than any other movie during the four decades in which the Kirby Center was a movie theater. That's from 1938 to 1977, basically, when the theater was a movie theater. The Godfather opened in March of 1972, set box office records uh, at the Paramount Theater in Wilkes-Barre. I might also add at the Hersker Theater in West Hazleton, where I was a kid working and we played The Godfather, and it was it was uh, one of the great thrills of my childhood to be able to um, work at the theater during that movie. But uh, the movie uh, became the highest-grossing movie of all time up to that point, a really a cultural phenomenon that has lasted to this day. Everybody knows all the quotes from The Godfather, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse, and so forth. And it played to sell out crowds for many weeks. And at the Paramount Theater in Wilkes-Barre, the film, as I said, opened in March of 72, and it played for a record 13 weeks. That's longer than any film had played before or that any film played after at the Paramount Theater in wilkes and it finished its record-setting engagement on June 20th, 
1972. And everybody who was alive at that time and living in the Wyoming Valley knows the significance that uh, the next day, uh, the waters of the Susquehanna River overflowed. It was Hurricane Agnes, or Tropical Storm Agnes, I guess, at that point. And uh, the Paramount Theater, like the rest of downtown Wilkes-Barre, was flooded. So The Godfather not only was a record setter in terms of how long it played, but it was the last movie to play at the Paramount Theater before the flood, and the theater did not reopen for another six months. You also mentioned to me that simultaneously, while the flood was impacting the Kirby, something else was happening in the movie industry in Wyoming Valley that was kind of changing its face, right? Well, this is an amazing sort of perfect storm, pardon the pun, uh, of events that occurred that week in June of 1972, which I didn't realize until I had gone back and done some research on the the Comerford slash Paramount Theater. And that is is the week, that week in June of 1972, that the General Cinema Twin Theater opened at the Wyoming Valley Mall. Now, the significance of that is that... uh, All over America in the early 1970s, downtown movie palaces like the Paramount were were, uh, being threatened competitively by these new shopping center multiplex theaters that were opening up. Uh, Wilkes-Barre already had the Gateway Cinema, which had opened in in, uh, the 1960s, but the first multi-screen theater to open was the General Cinema of Wyoming Valley Mall. And that happened the same week that Hurricane Agnes hit and the same week that the Paramount Theater was flooded and had to close. The General Cinema Twin opened in a few weeks because it didn't suffer anywhere near the damage of downtown Wilkes-Barre. But as I said, it took the Paramount six months to reopen. And even though the Paramount would still play more hit movies in, in, the, in the ensuing years, the handwriting was sort of on the wall that these multiplex theaters like Wyoming Valley Mall were eventually going to be the demise of downtown single-screen movie palaces like the Paramount. You're also showing the movie that uh, opened the, the theater in 1938. Yes. Uh, When the Comerford Theater opened uh, in August of 1938, it opened with Alexander's Ragtime Band, which was a uh, 20th Century Fox musical uh, starring um, uh, Tyrone Power and Alice Faye and Donna Michi. And so we're going to be showing that movie in August on um, Friday, August 24th. And people will be able to come and watch the first movie that ever showed at that theater in the theater. I, I think, and I'm going to ask the audience because I don't know for sure, but I think Alexander's Ragtime Band has a local connection. Whether there were people in that band who were local or not, I'm not sure, but I know there is some connection. Well, one possible connection, because after you and I talked, I did a little research on that. I couldn't find any connection with the movie, but the opening uh, was such a huge event, such a milestone event in the city of Wilkes-Barre, that a crowd of, uh, it was reported anywhere between 18 thousand to thirty thousand people gathered in public square obviously only a fraction of that crowd got in to see the movie but on opening day they ran the movie five times they had this huge crowd the connection you may be thinking of is there was a band called alexander's ragtime band that performed in public square during the opening day festivities and, I mean, it was a huge event uh, for the city of Wilkes-Barre. And, again, remember the time. It was the late 1930s. The Depression had been going on for a decade. We are just starting to pull out of it. People hadn't seen anything of this magnitude, a beautiful new theater in the center city built, in downtown built. And so it was a huge event. So there was an actual band that played. Now, I don't know the origin of that band. Right. I know it's, it's, it's talked about in the newspaper accounts of the opening of the theater. 
Okay. Well, if anybody has any further clarity on that, I'd love to hear it. John, this is so great. I'm, I look forward to all of it. Uh, the series is called Before the Kirby Was the Kirby. There's a movie every month of 2018 and uh, some spectacular productions. And uh, I, I hope that a lot of people come out. The price points are great, too. <laughs> that's, that's... Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, matinees are $3 and the evening is $5. So you can't, you can't beat the price. 1938 pricing. I'm just Not kidding. quite. The actual 1938 <laughs> pricing when the theater opened was uh, 35 cents in the afternoon for adults and 50 cents in the evening. So there's a little bit uh, of inflation there, but not nearly what there has been uh, in the economy in general. John, it is so great to talk to you. I'm so glad that you're here. I think that uh, you have a lot to offer our community, and you will be on hand at these performances. Well, to we're talk, actually, right? part of part of uh, the flashback cinema program that we do in first-run movie theaters is that each film is shown uh, with an on-screen introduction, which I provide, and I'll be doing the same for uh, each showing of each of these classic movies uh, at the Kirby Center. So, will you be there? Uh, I will be there as many times as I can okay. be because I will always be there on screen introducing the movie. But uh, more often than not, I will also be there because I want to see these movies on the screen at the Kirby. As many times as I've seen The Godfather, I know I will get goosebumps to see it on the screen in the theater where it played back in 72. And the same with uh, The Sound of Music and Sunset Boulevard and Wizard of Oz and all these other great films that, that played at the Comerford or later the Paramount. And uh, we're just so fortunate to have this venue, this wonderful performing arts center. And, uh, and now we're, we're getting back to our roots and, and showing the movies that uh, uh, were the basis of the theater's success for all those years before the Kirby was the Kirby. Excellent. And with the Molly Maguires on uh, January 26th, that will be the kickoff at 1 and 7.30. So we invite people to come out. The price points are tremendous, and uh, John is great. I'm so happy to meet him. I, I met him last Friday for the first time, and he's just wonderful and has a lot to offer our community. So uh, welcome home. John, it's uh, great to see you. Thank you. you. It's great to be uh, living back and to be living in Wilkes-Barre and to be a uh, part of the of the Kirby. It's a, it's an honor to be part of this program. And thanks so much for having me today. It is our pleasure. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app, the biggest sports radio stations in the country, providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams, all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives, streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.